sir. Test it, test Hello and welcome to Agitate, a periodical podcast of creative, entrepreneur, and other interesting people. My name is Rob and I'll be taking you on this journey. So sit back and enjoy yourself. This is Agitate. So welcome everyone. Today we have Joe McGivern with us. Joe is a hairstylist slash photographer. Uh, he's been doing the hairstyling thing quite a long time, and the photography thing, not as long, but still, he's, he knows his way around a camera or two. And we're going to be talking to him about how the two mesh together and what he's been up to lately. So here we go. Here's Joe. So here we are today with Joe McGivern. Cool. Hello. How are you doing, Joe? Joe's good. Joe, I'm going to eat my well. chips while we're here. Go for it. This is the way you get them. To take away, <laughs> there's twice as many chips as there is on the dish. Well, eat smart. Well, fried foods. Yeah, it's got to oh, be well. done. Once a week, doesn't hurt. <sighs> At least. So you keep them busy? Yeah, things are good. Lots, uh, lots kind of planned things coming up. It's good projects, kind of. Personal stuff or? or? Uh, kind of, yeah. I've got, uh, I've... Yeah, I have just some personal stuff. There's some stuff with some friends uh, that are in the States. Oh, wow. Uh, so Can that's going to be that? good. No, no, it's a friend of mine. He's a, like a freelance hairstylist, session stylist. Mm-hmm. So he is launching uh, his own product range, which is made out of Irish seaweed. And we are going to shoot some promotional stuff kind of down around Connemara, Cork. Sweet. Do some stuff down there, some landscapes and possibly incorporate maybe if we can get some kind of red-haired girls uh, no, and some uh, some leprechauns uh, maybe I don't know try and kind of incorporate maybe a slight kind of fashion kind of element to it mm-hmm. so that's kind of that, that would be I suppose that's probably March kind of time maybe April uh, so yeah I'm looking, kind of looking forward to that and Great. other little personal projects kind of on the go so are you shooting a lot more uh, at the minute, I'm probably doing more her at the minute. Yeah. Uh, last year, I took a bit of a step back um, for the year, basically, and kind of locked myself away and I had my own little studio space, so just to focus and kind of just try and hammer out some things that I mm-hmm. wanted to hammer out. Photography-wise. Uh, Photography-wise. Uh, uh, and that kind of helped because I wasn't traveling and I was selling my house and, you know, it just meant that I could you know have a little space that I could work in and so you're back in the city now so I'm living back in the city yeah liking um, it? yeah it's great over, yeah. over that country life thing well you know the country <laughs> was good but I've got two kids and that country life the driving that was... photograph of you on the BMX bike yeah with, is that your son on the back <laughs> that's my daughter, daughter on the back yeah that's hilarious yeah so uh, <laughs> so yeah so I mean it was great but just with the kids we gotta live just got to be closer to town now, you mm-hmm. know. So the country was great, you know, but 10 years I kind of did out there. Is it more for the entertainment for the kids to keep uh, it It's just, the well, my, I suppose my, my my oldest son now, he's, he's 13 now, so he just needs to be in town, you know. It's mm-hmm. closer mm-hmm. for his mates and he his goes friends, to school yeah. in town and stuff. So, so yeah, it's just, it's just easier. But it's nice being in town. I don't think I would have... I don't think I would have the level of appreciation for living in town had I not lived out of town for 10 years, you know. So were you living out there for 10 years? Yeah, we were there 10 years. Wow. Um, 
yeah. So we were due to build a house and then oh, a few things happened. We lost the site and just bought something that was built just to see whether we like living out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plan was if we like living out of town, then we would go and buy a site and build. And within about two years, the arse dropped out of the property market. So we decided to stay put. So yeah, so that was kind of it really. And then say we just, oh, you know, just life kind of It's a good spot to live. By. I mean, yeah. decent close to the city like yeah I mean it's 25 minutes 20 minutes away from the city it's a good jump off point for heading down to Dublin for work Uh, I like the outdoor you know I like the countryside I like the kind of you know I like the fact that you know there was like a walk that we used to go on and we did it like you know virtually every day but every day it was totally different just with the light and kind of you know cows in cows out sheep about you know so I, I did enjoy it now I have to say but say kind of the children has forced us back into town yeah yeah so do you find so when it comes to work are you working in town in belfast more than opposed to dublin or are you still more uh, in dublin? well basically the way i work at the minute is i kind of leave three or four days a week uh to freelance so whatever comes up should it be doing some photography or doing her or whatever so that that's generally like from a sunday to a wednesday and then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I work in the salon, basically just renting some space and doing Great. clients and stuff like Can that. Can you do there. anything so, with this head? Well, you know, I'll think about it. We, we <laughs> kind of get some references there. I go to Mr. <laughs> I, I go to Mr. Stafford every every four to six months, and right. he just like shakes his head and looks at it. He's yeah. like, same thing? Yeah, same thing. Unless it's worth going, it's worth going to Paul just for the entertainment value alone. <laughs> Talk, talking music? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, he's some, uh, he's some crack, Paul. And what have you seen lately, Paul? Ah, uh, you know, I went over, I flew over to England and I saw this and this and this. Yeah. And oh, he's in it. I mean, I, I, I know Paul very well. Him and I worked together for like 12 years. We did back in the early days whenever everything was young and new and fresh for everybody. So yeah. we, we kind of... When people were going away from barbers... Well, we were kind of like Paul and I, well, maybe Paul, possibly Paul before, just before me, but like whenever Paul used to have a salon in Queen Street, uh, Mm -hmm. and that's where I first worked with Paul. We were, I think it was 10 or 12 years we worked together, but at that point it was all hairdressing photography and we were the first kind of shop to start kind of doing all of that. And the group that we were with um, were the first group really to see any kind of benefit in investing in you know shows photographies things like that there so you know we we shot a lot um with all the kind of you know jim crone and uh, (laughs) all that kind of crowd yeah barry mccall come up um so it was good you know we're good 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 times and it was uh you know it was all very new nobody was doing it so it was it was uh it was good crack. How many years ago was that in total? Oh, probably 20 years, maybe. maybe. Wow. Yeah, about 20 years, I think that was. Um, yeah, because we used to do all the awards and things like that, the British Heritage Awards we used to do. Um, and we'd good, we Paul and I, we had some really good fun times. Like we both, <laughs> we both went to the British Heritage Awards and won our own kind of category on the each on the. That was the first oh, time both nice. of us did it. So, no, it was good. It was great, you know, to kind of Sharing the stage it. with a, a local? Yeah, well, it just meant that, you know, nobody went home downhearted. <laughs> it's always nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun, I have to say. So, yeah, so that's probably 20 years ago I started kind of getting involved in 
in all of this and seeing kind of how it, how it kind of went. Um, when did you start looking more into the photography end of things? Uh, photography, probably. I mean, basically, I worked with Paul for 10 years, 10 or 12 years. Uh, opened my own business. Um, had that for 10 or 12 years. And sold it, basically. I just, I dealing with staff, just uh, towards the end, I was yeah. dragging myself out of bed, you know, just... Drama. Very unhappy and thought, right, frig this, I'm just going to have to... Uh, do something so I decided to throw the head up sold the business and went freelance and started renting a chair um, good move yeah it was, it was a good move I'm, I'm very I'm very very lucky you know I just kind of you know when you'd asked me to do this I kind of figured all this stuff would come up so I kind of like reflecting almost and <laughs> you know I've been kind of uh, I've been very I'm re- I've been very lucky you know I've always seemed to manage to kind of hit the right place with the right people at the right time the only thing I would say probably my biggest downfall is I kind of I got a lot of success very early mm-hmm. um, and basically Northern Ireland for in her anyway was basically you know you got a bit of success got busy opened your own shop and that was you for the rest of your days until you retired you know yeah. so once I kind of hit that wall of like oh I can't do this anymore you know I was I don't know, it was six years ago, so I was kind of in my late 30s, you know, so it was like, God, is this so it? So people aren't expected to reinvent themselves and do something well, fresh? Well, not, not really, because our industry, it's different, not, everything's different now, I mean, you know that from photography, but, you know, generally that was the route that everybody took, that, that was the only route that you could have, That was, and, you know, so the goal was to get your own business, and that was that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, in Northern Ireland, uh, I would say probably six or seven years, you know, all these other avenues have opened up. So you've got like the film industry, you know, in loose terms, you've got the fashion industry, uh, you know, very, very loose, loose terms. Um, you know, so all of those things are very new. When I started, that was, you only had one road to travel and that was it, you mm-hmm. know. So my kind of, I was just at the end of my, at the end of that road and a chance meeting actually with a friend, uh, on Facebook had just been launched at that point um, and I rediscovered an old friend of mine who had left uh, and moved to various places London, Australia, New York New York's where he's at at the minute Um, so I kind of reconnected with him and got invited to his wedding in Italy he sat me beside some other guy that was a hairdresser in New York had a load of salons and he invited me to go and work at Fashion Week in New York so that kind of coincided with it kind of thought you know I went to New York I was still in the shop it was up for sale and the deal was kind of going through so I kind of went to New York and I kind of just seen how everything worked, you know, kind of what way the industry was there. I shot with, um, I assisted my friend shooting for... Were you Co- blown away? Cosmopolitan. Yeah, God. I mean, like, it's New York. You know <laughs> you what I mean? Went, you know, oh, my God, I think where have I, I been? What I was walking been down doing? the street and I just looked at the... Uh, I must have stood for about 10 minutes looking at you. The big candy stripe pipes with the steam coming out of them, just like... <laughs> Stirring at it for ages, but New York, I mean, my God, what's not the like? And, you know, I have to say it was great for me because I was just, I was at a real career low point at that, you know, just didn't, no direction, didn't know where I wanted to go. And one trip to New York with all those people, I come home invigorated and really just feeling like anything was possible. It was just down to going and getting it. So 
so yeah so I kind of the deal went through in the shop I established like a place to rent the chair and threw myself in the car and drove to Dublin and got a meeting with Morgan uh, Rebecca Morgan down there um, and had a chat with her uh, yeah I even uh, had my book so you know had my book and stupidly decided to put it on my nice shiny white MacBook and turned up at the uh, at the offices, had a chat, and says, "Right, okay, you know, so let's let's see your work." And dead, un- unfortunately, the computer had just died. No power, no nothing. Uh, so yeah, I had to show her a blank screen. Just but, take my word. Take yeah, my word. Take but my she word. was good. You know, she was very good to me. You know, so she took a chance. I think, I think literally by the time I left her office, and by the time I got back to Belfast, I had three tests booked in um, within the next couple of weeks wow. so so that was kind of the start of that and I've been very lucky again working with some exceptionally talented people um, who really you know took took a chance essentially you know so it was it was nice because they have a very different attitude towards things down there mm-hmm. um, a little um, more professional a little bit more well yeah polished. I mean it's more professional the expectations are very different I kind of from working up here I mean, it is changing, but certainly six years ago, there was a, a kind of an attitude of it'll be okay. You know, it'll be dead on. It'll do. Um, yeah, pretty much. Whereas working in Dublin was very, the expectation was like working in New York. You know, this mm-hmm. is what has to happen. This is the level that it needs to be at. And that's where we go from there. So mm-hmm. so it was, it, was a, it was a big culture shock, but a good one because it really made me up my game. and uh, 7 a.m. call times. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you know, you know where we live. So, you know, you're leaving the house at half four, five o'clock uh, and driving down and getting, you know, finishing on set, maybe half yep. six, seven and then driving home again, you know. But, you know, for me, that is an easy drive. You know, I spring out of bed at that time and because I, lo- I do genuinely love the work. You know, I love being in that environment and I... I just find it very positive, you know, and I love yeah. being Surrounding around. yourself with people yeah, who are just creative and they're there for a purpose. Totally, you know. They're there. They have a, a purpose in life. They know what they need at the end of the day. They see the light at the end of the tunnel and they just do it. Yeah, I mean, Everybody it's... Everybody has a job. It's just happening. I think that's the thing. You know, you, you turn up and you're going and doing it. There's no... It could be different for me because I'm not from down there, but I'm not aware of the politics, if there is politics or... I just find everybody to be very positive and lighthearted and fun, you know. There's no room for politics. Yeah, well... When it starts getting moving that fast, big budgets, and your livelihood depends on what you, what the outcome of the yeah. day is. There's, the you know, it just goes, you go straight ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I find it a real education. Um, I used to work in Dublin doing her shows and teaching and salons and things like that, and... Uh, with Paul, my old friend. And I have to say, like, when I went down, I really didn't think we had any, you know, I didn't think I had anything to learn, essentially, you know, because I had that experience working with Dublin hairdressers and, you know, I was aware that, you know, we were as good and informed as they were. But I suppose the big change now, and it's kind of what is starting to, it's kind of what people are starting to realise, is that hairdressing hairdressers tend to look at the job as a blanket so you're a hairdresser and that's that um, now I think it's slowly starting people are realising that there are different disciplines within that and mm-hmm. 
you know, just because you're really good behind the chair doesn't mean that you're going to be really good on set or, you know, doing yep. a film or on location or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and how you approach and the methods that you use on her, the, you know, the use of product and stuff like that yep. are how you're very, very different. Up. How many shots you have? Yeah, well, you've got to work it all out. You know, your game plan to yeah, the day. Totally, you know, and you don't uh, want to be fighting yourself at eleven o'clock, going, "Oh my god, I'm working backwards on this head." Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose the the main thing is kind of electricity. You know, when you're out in location, you know, I would electricity maybe for three hours if I'm lucky a day. So your Luxury. prep work is key. You know, and yeah. you know, and as hairdressers, I think a lot of the time you fall back on the thing that you're good at, and for most men, it tends to be cutting hair. You know, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't dress her, I don't do this, I don't do that, so I, I just cut. Um, but when you're out, you're doing everything, and there is no, I don't do. It's yeah. just get it done. Yep, do it. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of uh, people are starting to realise that the, there are different disciplines, and you know, kind of learning to respect that basically. Um, the problem in Northern Ireland is that most of the companies that employ people haven't really caught on to that yet. Um, you know, you can be an amazing salon, as I say, salon hairstylist, but you know that you can be absolutely useless on set. Yep. You know, so that, I mean, it's so it is changing, but um, to me, that was the biggest awakening. You know, and and seeing how that worked, and I, I'm very lucky because I have a friend who works at an exceptionally high level. Uh, as a session stylist who mm-hmm. has been a great source of information and you know getting to work with him and you know do the shows New York and Milan and you see how it all works and say the main difference is the use of product and how they kind of approach things um, and like you said planning your day you know we're starting off down then we're going to move to up um, getting your prep good enough so that it lasts to go down and then up yeah. and then probably back down and up again um, as these things kind of change but it's being flexible it's you know thinking on the on the move I suppose is the main thing you know the plan is there is no plan yeah. so yeah so when the wardrobe stylist comes on set with the hat and starts going over towards the model and yeah. you're going <laughs> Well, it's this new fucking thing that they have, which is like a fucking face mask. It's like a thing that they put over. I think it's to stop the makeup going oh, on to yeah, the clothes. Yeah. Like, I'd never seen that before. And then, like, they kind of put that on. Everything's squashed. And then they're going, right, okay, can you put that, make that big again? And they're like, she's going to flatten it in fucking 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of those things and, you know, just kind of working and seeing how people work but you know I enjoy the work I love getting out of the salon I love just travelling basically working with different people Do you get much travel through Morgan? Um, I get a little bit yeah I mean every now and again when you know yourself things come up you know like there's people dangle carrots you know supposed to be going to South Africa at one point or doing this but you know I'll believe it when I'm on the plane Yeah 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 but uh, (laughs) no well I mean I kind of I I kind of look at that favourably because I kind of think if the full crew's not going to South Africa, at least part of the crew's going, so eventually the full crew will go. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah, the but it's... it's it, I think it... I mean, I don't know what way it works. I mean, I know, like, say, my friend, like, he's been session styling for maybe 20 years, and, you know, a lot of the time they would have to, you know, because he's, like, he's, he's represented everywhere. Now, he's not syndicated with one agency at the minute. There's, like, maybe... Paris, Italy, but a lot of the time they kind of have to is to fly himself there, you know, get to Italy, do five yeah. jobs there, then leave, and then you know the money comes and stuff like that. So, so it is different, and I think the industry in the south is definitely 
progressing and moving forward, but it's, you know, it's going to take a bit of time, really, before the crews really start kind of getting travelling properly. Yeah. You know, but at least it's kind of moving in the right direction. You know, so... I agree. I've had a couple of quotes <clears throat> through the South for travel. They haven't come through, but they're decent travel. Yeah. Decent well, there's budgets. no, you know... I just find the budgets are so different down there. Like, you know, like totally different. Yeah. And now that I'm kind of, I kind of dip in and out of everything. Uh, it's almost like they base them on a different workload. You know, whereas up here, it's always the day rate. You know, yeah. what are we going to do in a day? Yeah. How many different things can we do in a day? Whereas down there, they're working on a brief. And it's like, well, we have two shots that we need to do. Yeah. Can we? T- is it going to take a day? Well, it might be a little longer than whatever. Okay, two shots. Yeah. We'll do it. Well, it's just the fact that, like you say, you can extend things if they need to be extended, you know. So a one-day shoot, a two-day shoot. I, I mean, I would much rather shoot things over or be part of a shoot that's two days and haggle on the rate so that maybe your second day's rate isn't, you know. But just so you can get a good job done, the quality's yeah, there and to keep it tight, you know, rather than... As opposed than, to rushing on one day and yeah, totally. doing 15 shots and not being happy yeah. with a single one of them. I mean, I know, certainly from doing her, from doing her, her just gets tired, you know, it just gets, it's tired, and then, you know, when you're shooting a model, you know, they get tired, yep. so by the time you're on, from 10 you to know, 2, man. Yeah, I mean, after two o'clock, I, I just kind of I think it, people, I think everybody should finish an hour early and not have lunch. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, even a sandwich, it's just see, trying to get that kind of you know, post lunch you know, kind of lull thing going that. on. It's I was hard work. I'll tell you, we were doing a shoot back in California, <clears throat> and I'll work right through lunch, I won't even pay attention, I'll just keep working. Yeah, the creative director's there, this, that, shoot this, shoot that, and we'll go working along, and I'll never forget. We had this hair guy from L.A., and it must have been 2.30 or something. And we're like, you know, Jamie, come over here and fix this. He said, no, I need food. <laughs> He's like, what? Oh, my God, it's 2.30. Oh, oh, okay, okay, I understand, I understand. No problem, no problem. Let's order some food. Let's get some food in. But that's one of my prerequisites, you know, working with any... Uh, new assistant is 10 30 11 o'clock man you got to figure out food for the crew yeah you know s- spread around the menu start taking orders but we got to have it ordered by 11 o'clock yeah and it's got to be delivered for 12 30 mm-hmm. 1 o'clock and that's it and i don't want to know about anything else just yeah just done. get it done yeah, cool. well, I suppose I don't. Uh, I don't kind of eat lunches or anything generally when I'm working. So but I kind of like just, it's everybody else. You yeah, know. it is. It is. You know. Yeah. It is. It well, I, I, like I way. do know people that kind of their mood shifts significantly mm. if they don't get food. I'll be that guy at three o'clock who just mm, starts crashing. Really? No. Cigarettes and coffee, I think. Although I don't smoke anymore, so just coffee, I think. Coffee and sweets. Oh yeah. Oh me, it's I need something something substantial through that midday point. Cause when that three, four o'clock starts rolling around, if there's anything that's just that little bit wrong with the shot, <laughs> I'll focus in on it and it'll just bug the hell out of me. And I'll just oh we gotta fix this and you know, it's like taking a 
spatula with putty and just covering up a yeah. hole on the wall and I just keep covering it up until <laughs> I've covered the whole wall with putty and I'm like all right, now we got to paint this. <laughs> and everybody's looking at their watches going, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. We only had two more shots to do. Yeah, well, there's nothing worse when there's only two more shots to do and then it turns into four. Yeah. That's always, uh, you know, that light just gets dimmer at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. For sure. Because as long as you can get that first shot in the day done, you can get it done by 10, 11 o'clock. Yeah. You get that first one in the bag and... <gasps> Yeah, it's kind of once you get that first smile from your client or the, you know, producer, director, then you're kind of, it's all good. But yeah, you just, you need that kind of hint of positivity around. Yeah. You know, because as you well know, like when a shoot goes south, it's just a, t- it's a slog like, you know, it really is. It's tough. It's hard work. I do notice that, that <clears throat> even down south, Sorry, and I'm not picking on Belfast at all, but I notice in other markets, especially North America and somewhat down south, you get a lot of pat on the backs. Yeah. Pat on the backs during the day. And it's not just, you know, to the photographer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's around everyone. the whole crew. Yeah. Everybody goes, that's great. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's great. Like a lot more compliments. Whereas here, it's just. I don't know, it's just total, almost absent, 100% absent. Yeah, I think, I, I don't, God, I, you know, I, I, I can't, I mean, you are right, I just can't put my finger on why. I, I assume it has something to do with, you know, because there is a bit, there is a huge level of protectionism that goes on in Northern Ireland, you know, and I mean, from her perspective, I've been doing this job, I've been doing her for over 26 years. I know everybody that there is to know you know, photographers, makeup artists, all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and certainly, when I sh- when we when I sold the shop, like I, I I couldn't get a test up here. I couldn't get a fucking dog to bark at me. Really? And yeah, yeah. There was there was just nobody because everybody has their own teams, which yeah. is fine. And I get that. I mean, I'm you know I'm, I kind of go outside were you of my group. People or were you well, just... yeah, I was just kind of emailing people, and I you know I knew them, so it wasn't like the emails were coming from a complete stranger, you mm-hmm. know. But just emailing, going, you know, blah blah blah. I'm interested. I've come back from New York. Blah blah blah. I'm, you know. If you're ever doing anything, just let me know. Because I, you know, I had picked up those terms, testing and things like that. Those test shoots just seven years ago didn't happen here. You know, nobody knew what that was. You know, it was really social media. I was trying um, to do them. Well, I was trying to do them. I trying. Yeah, that's the word. Trying to do them. But even I think even now testing up here, the term test has has got lost. You know, I had yeah. an email from an agency in Galway actually a couple of weeks ago, and the girl, you know, obviously very, you know, sort of very complimentary, and we'd love you to shoot some of the people, the girls, la la la. You know, and obviously I work between Belfast and Dublin, so that was all good. And then. I got this like list of kind of what they want and what their expectations were. So, you know, they wanted guaranteed six images per, you know, per model, all of this. And like, you know, no talk about my expenses of having to go to Dublin to shoot six or seven people over two days. I'm like emailing back on this is a test you know like this isn't a shoot it's not a portfolio shoot yeah. if you want a portfolio shoot then cool we'll do it, Book it. but a yeah. test you know a test is you know these are brand new girls you know 
you're lucky you get one killer six, shot out of six, it. Six out of a brand new girl. Do you know what I mean? Ooh. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but when people are really new, like especially models, anything that goes below the waist, like full length shots on brand new people, I find is a nightmare. I can get portraits and I can get close-ups and things like that, but full length, it's kind of once hands and legs come into it, to me, that's where the real experience... Yeah, it's just... Once you're at the waist, this is from one body and everything below the the bottom just somebody else. Yeah, it doesn't go. It doesn't go. So I I found Dublin to be very open. People were, like you said, they were not congratulatory, but when you did a good job, people told you, that's for sure. Um, And also the thing I liked about down there was... They, on the face of it anyway, they were, you know, they are accepting and very complimentary of other, their other, you know, their, you know, I suppose their competition and their peers, you know, like, you know, oh, such and such. Yeah, I really like his work, you know. His work's very different. You know, they were very complimentary over people even who were at the same level, um, which I had never seen up here because everybody, it's like, you know, going back to what I'd said about her and if you're a good hairdresser, you're a good hairdresser, you can do everything. Um, and nobody else is as good as you. And I think that has changed up here now. You know, people are, certainly within your photographers coming through, people are very, you know, respectful. And, you know, if you do good work and they like it, they will tell you. Whereas in the past, that wasn't the case. You know, it was it was almost like when you mentioned somebody else did good work in front of a client, that people, you know, oh God, no, I can't say that because then the client might go to them and I'll lose work. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, those are the you know, if they're gonna go to them, they're gonna go to yeah. them anyways. And you can't, I mean, realistically, you can't do everything. But I found that in Dublin to be very refreshing. I don't know whether it has something to do with the fact that, you know, because of the huge, because of the Celtic Tiger and the big influx of international people and companies, uh, that that has maybe dulled that down. Maybe that was the case down there, but yeah. it certainly wasn't when I started seven, Could be. six, seven Could years be. ago. I mean, dealing with all those North American clients and they're de- of a certain level of service and quality that they're yeah. looking for, and boy, <laughs> you know, and that money's there. Mm. So, I mean, you got to get that, hit that mark with the level of service and quality. Everybody just sort of raised their game and... Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's it's to me, it's just it's just good manners, you know. Like, you know, I know that's a bit of a loose thing to say, but you know, there's nothing wrong. Being, you know, I'm doing my job a long time. I, you know, I, like us all, we all have strengths and weaknesses. I'm happy to acknowledge my weaknesses. There are things that I'm not good at, you mm-hmm. know, I, and that's cool. You know, that's fine. But you know, I don't I don't see any issue with that. But the, there are there is a big thing up here about you know. I don't know. I find some shoots up here to be very stiff. You know, one of the first jobs I did in Dublin, you know, I kind of went down, didn't know anybody, freaking out of my mind, kind of going, Jesus, it's A-Ware, and oh, new team, I didn't know anyone, and turned up, did my prep, and thought, fuck, I need a cigarette. So outside, coffee and a cigarette, going, oh, this is crazy. You know, it's real fucking, totally out of my depth here. This is a nightmare. And walked back into the studio, and there was no work happening, but just everybody was dancing. Really? <laughs> yeah, everybody's just fucking dancing in the middle of the studio. And like, they're going, come on, come on, it. I'm like, listen, I'm fucking 38, mate. I'm not dancing with you people. I don't even know who you are. But it was, you know, it just, I don't know, it was just one of those kind of, it was just really refreshing to go in and wow. see that. And people really enjoying, enjoying their, work. their work. And like the day flew by and, you know, awesome. everybody did great work. You know, wow. music was blasting. 
um, and everybody was just doing what they had to do and I, I, like it was that was something I'd never seen before you know yeah well fingers crossed we're, we're coming forward no I mean Belfast there's moving up I moving think up. Belfast definitely you know it is changing um, there are more I think as people start being more respectful to other people's work and you know and giving them the acknowledgement that they deserve you know mm-hmm. there are certain people that you just can't argue with you just can't you know they're you know their past history and their body of work is you know it speaks for themselves and I, I think you know that's changing people are starting to kind of slowly acknowledge that you know and I think that's so, so that's good you know I think that's a great thing for Belfast in general but I don't know maybe it's something to do with the troubles where you couldn't talk to people because everybody's sussing everybody else out you know mm. I'm sure everybody wanted to know whether you were a Protestant or a Catholic Canadian <laughs> <laughs> then I told them sorry I'm not Christian oh well that's you know you're lucky you didn't get deported for that not Christian yeah no it's uh, it's a funny place Northern Ireland but I, you know there is something about it I do love it like for all its faults I mean once I cracked that eggshell you know eight years ago it was soft inside yeah it was like everybody was pretty welcoming for the most part but it was it didn't seem like anybody wanted to challenge themselves yeah like it, it was that whole it'll do mentality yeah and then when you start bringing things in and showing them new things and they're like you know they're all jaws open and wow and I go well what do you think if we did that with this client Mm, yeah well yeah yeah. see I I I did ask um, I I used to work an awful lot with a guy Andreas Andreas Peterson Um, he was a good friend of mine but I did ask him I was just like if you you don't mind me asking why do you keep booking me for these things? You know, like there's a load of other people down here and, you know, and he said, well, he said, to be honest, he said, you know, nobody knows who you are and regardless of anything, you're going to bring something new to the table uh, because you're new and we love that. You're not from here. And that's, you know, that's that's why you'll get bookings and that really impressed me and, you know, and there, you know, there are elements of, as you say, you bring something new and, oh, could we do this with the client and, you know, it's like as a photographer being booked on the strength of your book and then the image you have to produce is the same image that has been in the magazine forever. You know, it's not, you know, you're not you're not getting booked to do your thing. You're just mm-hmm. getting booked because you're good enough, but mm-hmm. they want you to do the same thing as always. Um, you're not getting to flex your muscle. And... Well, not really. But then I think that, I mean, that's, I, th- I think in advertising, that's definitely changing. You know, I think people are getting booked because of, of their body of work and the companies, as it should be, want that. You know, they want a piece of that. Um, editorial, there is no editorial in Northern Ireland. So it's, you know, that's it's never, it's, right? it's never going to happen. Well, you know. Where you pay for it. Well, yeah, but that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing, you know, to me, that is my biggest bugbear about things in Northern Ireland because everybody's expected to pay to do something that you should be paid for um, and it's not the money but it, it's it's the end result because if you're being if you're working on a job that you're paying for so let's say there's her is paying makeup is paying photographers paying the hairdresser and the makeup artist are always going to try and do their own thing and outperform each other and show off look what I can do mm-hmm. there is no I like to think the work that I do is appropriate. 
So whatever the brief is, I do. I'll try and do something that is appropriate for that. I don't need to show off. I don't. You know, I just want to do something that everybody's happy with. Yeah. And I think if you're paying, it is your right to kind of do what you want essentially. And to me, that is what that is the biggest problem. Yeah. Because if you were being paid, you're more likely to stick to a brief. And that to me is the problem because everybody there's no communication because makeup's going I'm going to do this hers going I'm going to do that yeah. and maybe the photographer's going well that's you know that doesn't matter because I'm going to do this anyway yeah. you know and and that I think is the problem the fact that 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 is the biggest problem here and that's why a lot of things are patchy not coherent um and just don't look professional you know so as a photographer who does hair yeah do you ever look at when you're shooting an editorial shoot do you ever look at the hair and go excuse me uh, can we maybe go down this road and just maybe do a little bit like this yeah, and like I, that? I, do you direct them a little isn't. bit more than, well, I than you might do would. on a commercial I, shoot I think generally speaking I'm manic about a few things one is skin I I am um, <laughs> I I can't because obviously as you know ed- the editing of skin is is a tricky enough kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so generally speaking, there are probably in Northern Ireland maybe three makeup artists that I work with because I know that they are really good at skin work. I don't care about all the other stuff, but good, clean. You know, I love a makeup artist who could spend an hour on a face and step back and it looks like there's nothing on it. To me, that is that's the test of a good makeup artist, not flashes and you know whatever. Um, so I'm very manic about skin uh, and makeup artists in particular. Um, and her, yes. So I mean, I suppose that's a thing. I've just kind of got over myself. I don't mind telling people what I want now, you yeah. know. And because you know, I've certainly done things or been part of things where I haven't, and I've had to sit and look at an image that was making me want to throw up for hours editing and trying to fix things fix bad makeup fix bad hair Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of know I've worked with some brilliant makeup artists and some brilliant hairstylists um, abroad and at home and it's just hairdressers in particular there aren't any freelance session hairstylists up here that work enough to really get into it and to really learn their craft and learn exactly what's required mm-hmm. because they're in the shop and as like I said earlier that's a very different discipline totally. so it, it is very hard so most of the stuff I do it tends to be either very natural when I'm testing I test a lot without makeup um, and the hair I keep really really simple the old time I'll have you know I'll do something or I'll get somebody to do something um, but yeah I, I, I kind of on certain things I'll direct on certain things I won't it just depends where I am mm-hmm. um, if I'm working with a really good crew so last year for the last couple of years I've shot uh, Limerick University's graduate collection um, and the stylist for that's a girl called Ashleen Farinella who is an incredible stylist um, and everybody wants to work with her so generally when you're working with her you can just let everybody do their own thing you pull your references and that's that yeah. um, and it's a done deal um, that's done in the south but again because there's more of an industry the hairdressers are used to being on set and kind of working in the way that you're supposed to work so you don't have to worry too much about it um, up here there isn't really any editorial so you know it's fine and you know as you know 
for any of the advertising work I'm doing, I generally, I'm quite lucky because I get to pick my own team or at least recommend the people that I want or I think they should work with. So I generally just recommend people who kind of work like me, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. I suppose, and you can set them to their task and they just go Yeah, I mean, do, there's a couple of people that I know that I work with who who I have worked with in the shop and stuff like that before who, who take direct... It's just about being able to take direction, you know. It's not a criticism or anything like that, but, you know, the, a lot of the things that I would be telling them have been told to me, mm-hmm. you know, by people who really know their stuff. Um, so, in a sense, it's probably passing on. It, it's supposed to take everything. You can either take it as an insult or take it as accumulation of information. Um, anytime that ever happened to me, it was always something I'd never thought of before, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's so. yeah, I suppose that's not really answering your question. But, yeah, I do direct. But I am. It's like, you know, I, I've done it for such a long time. I am aware of it. I know what good her is and I know what bad her is. So, I yeah. don't like bad her. Yeah. Spot that in a second. Yeah, well, you know, too much stuff. That's the thing. Too much stuff at the wrong time. Hairspray is the biggest one, you know. Like, I was just on a job the other day with some hairdressers, and they were like, all right, we'll do the shape, and we'll get there. And I was like, listen, and, what, what, and they said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, listen, if I'm ever on a job and you see lots of hairspray, me using lots of hairspray, you can be guaranteed that things have went wrong. <laughs> you know, that's when you know, you know, oh, fuck. You know, where's the hairspray? You know, any hair jobs I do, it's really... I just use mousse for my prep. Um, Certainly in the market I work in in the south, it's all very natural kind of hair. If you're on location, they like it to move or, you know, things like that. So if you put... As you said earlier about planning your day out, you know, if I do my prep work right, then it's just a case. I don't need hairspray. I don't mm-hmm. like it anyway because it clogs everything up and when the wind moves, everything moves as opposed to strands. So, um, so that's, I mean, the stuff I do is catered towards the market that I work in, essentially. You know, we don't have magazines like ID and, you know, W and stuff like that here. So, you tend to kind of do less mental things and keep it kind of more natural, which is, you know, which is difficult as well, doing her that looks like it hasn't been done. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not easy. Do you ever do any mental stuff? Uh, not, not any gain. <laughs> not the old time. Um, but yeah, I tend to, you know, it's like everything, you know, you kind of have to have an outlet, you know. Just stretch your legs a little bit. And well, just yeah, you know, <laughs> like I kind of... Mohawk. For the first time and like... <laughs> When I suppose about five or six years ago, and like, I'll throw my hands up. I was never good at dressing her out. I was always like, no, I cut her. That's it. I just cut her. Um, so when I started all this, there were a few things that I knew were going to come up, braiding, you know, things like that. So I thought, right, what am I going to do? I can't talk my way out of it. You're on a job. you got to do it. You do it. So, so I kind of started practicing again, which I haven't done in a very long time, you know, because once you kind of get a bit of a reputation, you don't practice. You can't because you can't fuck up, you know. Uh, so, yeah, my wife came home seven years ago and there I was in the living room with a doll's head. <laughs> and she, you know, she just thought, Jesus, if somebody had have told me I'd have been married to a man who is playing with a fucking girl's world, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't have been good. So, yeah, so I tend, yeah, I do, I do kind of do the odd thing, you know, but my focus is kind of, you know, I, t- I tend to find that I can only really wear one hat on any given day, you know, so if I'm taking pictures, that's what I'm doing. If I'm doing her, then that's what I'm doing. So you're, let's say you're at the airport, you get enough money for one magazine. Yeah. There's, there's a photography magazine, 
there's a hair magazine. Yeah. What, what are you going to pick up? I would probably... It depends. Like, are we talking about, like, technical photography magazines or... Nah, probably just more arty, you know. I would probably go for the... Picture books. I would go for the picture books as opposed to the hair. Yeah. Yeah, because it... Well, it, it covers everything. Um... I'm I'm very image driven, you know. I I love the aesthetic of things. Nothing, no one thing really inspires me. I, you know, it could be, you know, if, if you know, if I'm doing her, it could be, I see a fucking, you know, a dog that's walked past with scruffy hair that hasn't been washed, and thinking, oh, okay, look at that. That's a weird texture. You know, that type of thing. You know, I know a lot of people, oh, I love architecture, and architecture really inspires me. Like, I could look at buildings all day and just think it looks like a building. Yeah. You know, I, I don't feel like I want to do anything. Um, but, you know, those old, like the photography books, I think, kind of cover everything. You know, you see a beautiful image. It, when I'm doing jobs, I, I rarely kind of look at any one thing. I just look at what the end result is. You know, to me, if I'm doing her, if the her really stands out, I haven't done my job right you know I need everything everything just needs to kind of blend in essentially mm -hmm. um, so I would probably go for the photography book um, just because I love images I find her her magazines or her books to be just a bit one dimensional really uninspiring well yeah because I kind of if I'm honest I, I love her that people do themselves you know I kind of you know, I love seeing all these kids running around doing their fucking own makeup and doing their own hair and cutting their hair and colouring their hair. And, you yeah. know, that to me is where where you get real inspiration from because, yeah. you know, I'm 44 now, so, you know... Same with photography, I guess, too. You just, just have to constantly look around and see what's happening. Those people that are doing it themselves and going yeah. out on a limb and trying something new. Yeah, They're well, always going to be the inspirational ones. Well, I, I love that because there's no fear of failure. You know, once you kind of start getting established or getting a bit of a name for yourself you know you can't really fail and because the term test shoot has kind of transformed into the expectation that you're going to get at least six, six images <laughs> you know it's kind of like oh I God. always remember like when I when I started going to Dublin I remember a couple of times with one photographer three different shoots I did and didn't get one image from it and I was like any really? photographer yeah like nothing studio and location bits of everything you know bits of everything and it was just you know it was at that point it was years after and those are tests yeah wow you know but that was kind of everything was a test you know the her I was doing was kind of okay we'd like to do this what way you'd think you after texture th what three shoots and however many shots in a day and yeah. you couldn't you couldn't get one thing for your book I don't know. I'm not too sure what happened. But I do, you know, there is a part of me that was raging about that at the time. But at this stage now, years later, I'm kind of thinking, do you know what? That's a real luxury to have. Like, it would be great to just go and, you know, go away and just not be... Uh, you Burdened know, I, by, by having that on your shoulders, yeah, coming back with because, something for yeah, your because, book? Yeah, because of social media, everything is out there now. You know, like in my experience with photography... Granted, it does predate social media um, in regards to kind of doing her shoots and stuff like that. But I think since social media has come, everybody's being watched. There feels like there's a real pressure oh, on yeah. you to perform and come up with something. So your likes, all oh, your likes on your Instagram feed. And yeah, and it's not, it's certainly not helped by you know maybe it's just the way the world is. But like when you've got huge companies employing people that have massive fit or you know Instagram followers. 
on the strength of the fact that they've maybe 3 million or 1.2 million Instagram followers that a company's thinking, okay, there's another couple of million client, potential clients. Like, yeah. it doesn't make it right, but it is the way the world is now. So, yeah. you know, you just kind of have to kind of go with it and, you know, kind of see where you end up. Um, I'm bobbing along with 600 followers. and Well, you know, but it, 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 there is a big difference. Like, i seen a couple of guys, there was a couple of photographers having a good old crack at uh, Brooklyn Beckham when he shot his uh, campaign. Last year, that thing. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the kind of conversation kind of, but uh, there was an element of truth in it where, you know, it, it is relatively easy to get one really, really good shot but take that person on an editorial where you have to get nine or ten really good shots and all of a sudden or an advertising job the holes start kind yeah. of appearing you know because it's, it, it's, it's not easy it's being able to get that one shot consistently yeah. over nine more shots yeah totally if you, so, if you don't have that consistency if you don't know how you got that first shot in yeah. the beginning yeah anybody can get lucky sure yeah so yeah I suppose I, so yeah I think the everybody's industry is strange now you know especially with the amount of information that people have access to I mean I suppose I'm a good example of that in as far as photography goes you know I'm I wouldn't say I'm completely self-taught because I, I do her on these jobs so I'm able to kind of watch in the background and mm-hmm. see how people work see how people I suppose the biggest thing I've learned is just seeing how photographers talk to models to get the best out of them that was a revelation in itself the rest of the stuff you know with time and practice could come but just having that kind of you know that relationship and yeah. you know actually realising how important the relationship between the photographer and the subject is was a Definitely. big 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 thing for me I just you know it's not just about taking pictures and having a bit of crack. There is that, there's, there has to be a relationship because there isn't, there's nothing, you get nothing other no. than that. I always try to get, you know, to location or into the studio and talk to the person at least five or ten minutes beforehand. Yeah. Just to say, hey, how are you? Whoa, where are you from? Oh, dogs, cats, yeah, you know, anything. Where'd, yeah. you go for, where'd you go on vacation? Oh, that's great. Just that, you know, to break the ice for three, four, five minutes, and then, ah, uh, hey, you know what? Can you just move to your right a little bit? Yeah, a little yeah. bit more. Chin down. Oh, that's perfect. Chin up. Oh, that's great. Great, great, great. Bingo, bango. We're done. Yeah. Well, even telling people they're great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of... Uh, it's just that communication, you know, was it's something that certainly in the job that I, that I do, her-wise, is, you know, you don't talk to people like that, you know? You're sitting fucking some 60-year-old in front of you, you're not going to tell her she's stunning-looking, you know? You know, oh, you look you, great or yeah, whatever. you got but, beautiful hair. And, my God, yeah, your skin's I mean, it's amazing. different, but I, I, I certainly know that once I started taking pictures... That was a big, big thing for me, realizing that that relationship between the photographer and the subject was a pretty special one and is is of the utmost uh, importance on any given job. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's you know, and just as you say, getting in, just getting a little bit of background on them, just so you, just so you have something to converse about when you're taking the pictures. Yeah. You know, if I f- I find if I've got somebody who's totally stuck in the mud and just won't work. I start laughing. 
Yeah. I started laughing really, really loud, like beyond. Just keep laughing and laughing and like, all right, come on and laugh. Yeah. And just, and either they're going to stay the way they are or that'll break the ice and they smile and they laugh and they relax a bit and they go, oh my God, this guy's a total asshole. Yeah. Like, this is great. He's being Well, like it's a definitely, total certainly taking, taking pictures for me, it definitely has kind of made me not take myself as serious as I used to. <laughs> um, I'm just more open to having fun now on jobs. You know, it's, it's because as you say, that once you kind of get to that point where you realize that by doing that, the effect of it and you know affects the end result then yeah it's something that you kind of have to do you know it's it, to me that's the biggest the biggest thing about taking in pictures you know getting getting a good result is having that you know that level of fun and kind yeah, of in looseness and you know standing up from behind the camera and just doing a little yeah. jig behind the camera yeah, totally. dancing back and forth that's and they're it. like what are we doing here? Like, is this guy stopped taking pictures to have a dance in the middle of it? Yeah. Okay, he's not taking everything so serious. Yeah, I yeah. don't have to take everything That's so it, serious. That's totally. Because people, I mean, every people just freak out. That's the thing, you know. It's not easy having your picture taken. Like, everybody knows that, you know. So, yeah, so that's kind of... That was that. But that was, that was a big thing. Certainly a big thing to learn. Yeah. Definitely. I was looking on your website last night. Some great stuff, man. Yeah, great it's, stuff it's well I'm kind of lots in, of natural light yeah well I kind of that was kind of how I started um, I suppose I, I initially I lifted the camera because I did have a lot of her stuff that I wanted to do and I couldn't I couldn't get people to work with that were producing because it, by that point I'd started working in Dublin and because the style of photography between north and south is so different the test that I were, was involved with up here were completely useless they were no good to me at all um, mm-hmm. and I, once I got to a point where I was like I gotta start getting stuff out of this so I looked around and I couldn't see anybody that was doing work similar to that um, there is a lot of available light stuff because there's a lot of editorial in Dublin um, so I you know I had access to the southern girls who live up here the girls are on my agency that live in the north so I kind of just started fo- you know photographing them and it just kind of snowballed from there you know I've been very lucky people like Sarah O'Neill were very good to me earlier on kind of coming along and styling things when I was punching way above my weight um, (laughs) at that point Um, but that made a big difference and you know it kind of helped me get my eye in and you know I love I just I love things that there's like a narrative to you know being an expression or a location or Mm -hmm. you know to me a beautiful location makes sense when there's a person in it Mm-hmm. to help kind of tell that story sure. even if it's a story nobody else gets other than me um, that's what kind of makes me happy so I kind of yeah that's kind of I do I mean I, there is a lot of available light on it but there's also an awful lot of studio stuff so like my big thing is trying to kind of trying to learn to light so it doesn't look like it's lit mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of my big thing and kind of just trying to hammer that down because I feel it suits the style of work it suits what I like looking at Um, I saw some of your jewellery stuff up there the yeah aisle aisle yeah jewellery stuff yeah yeah so it's kind of but I think I mean I don't know that looks lit but but for that it totally works it's got a beautiful stark sort of you know crispness to it yeah well that was the thing you know with 
because you know if you when you know yourself when you're shooting jewelry you just have to light it you can't yeah. use available light you know you just fucking you know everything's blurry it's no good so it's kind of I suppose it's just trying to make it kind of make it your style essentially I like softness I, I don't like harsh you know like I can appreciate it but things like you know Terry Richardson the real bright flash and you know I suppose even Jurgen Teller to a certain extent does that real you know I love looking at it but I just find when I'm doing it I always I'm always kind of pulling back and trying to soften everything a lot more so mm -hmm. I, I think that's kind of that's what I like softness um, generally so kind of the bright flash or you know it doesn't really do it for me I'm, you know so I'm kind of you know, I do a little bit, but just kind of because I know I have to learn it. You know, like I'm self-taught, self-teaching. So I'm kind of, you know, everything I do, there, I, I tr there's a purpose to it. You know, it's not about just lighting something. Mm -hmm. There's an education about it for me. So I have to kind of, I just make mistakes, but enjoying making mistakes, yeah. if that makes even, any even sense. Even those mistakes. Well, yeah, because there's always happy accidents, you oh, know. Oh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I like... I like things that are soft and I suppose the the lighting thing I'm just really trying to find my own way essentially you know I think I'm kind of almost there with it but I just need to tie a few things down you know make me a lot more kind of comfortable um, it's not right you know I'm kind of lucky because I do her that pays all my bills so I kind of I only want to work with companies that want to work with me Mm -hmm. Essentially, you know, I, 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 you're not going to get into any bidding wars, and no, because I don't. I suppose because I'm self-taught, there's a level of, 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 of underconfidence. Essentially, you know, I don't want to take. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm having to do a style of work that isn't my style of work, because I just kind of. I'm not confident enough, essentially, to do that. So yeah, I know sure. what I like doing, and I, you know, I, I will venture out of that a little bit. But there's, I kind of, to me, it's just very important. I think as a photographer, what I've realised is you're, you're leaving a legacy. You're leaving a lot of yourself behind, more so than with her. You know, your images are always going to be there. You know, they're mm -hmm. always going to be there now, and, you know, I, I just want to. I'd much rather not do a job than, you know, I'd rather kind of just do my own thing, essentially, yeah. you know. I'd I think I know where you're going. You'd rather not do a job than do a job and it come out not yeah. to your liking. Exactly, you know, because if it's going to fail, it's going to fail doing something I want to do. Because yeah. if I'm not doing something I want to do, then it is a complete failure. It's a complete yeah. balls up, essentially. Yeah. So I kind of, I think you just have to be true to yourself, you yeah. know. And to me, you know, photography means an awful lot to me. You know, I came to it very late. Um, and and I, I, I love it. You know, it means an awful lot to me. I, you know, I, I feel a little bit of a weight because I do know that people are looking at my work. and But mostly because I know I'm leaving stuff behind, you know. And be it, you know, be it the... You know, a family photograph of me and the kids, or you know, whatever. Yeah. It's something that you know grandkids are going to see, and so I, I take it very, very seriously. Um, but still, love to have fun and experiment and do those things. But it is a, you know, it's a very unique job. Are you, you were shooting film for a while, weren't you? Yeah, I shoot a little bit of film, so I shoot kind of thirty-five millimeter, um, and 
yeah, just medium format, a little bit. You have that RZ, right? Uh, yep, I just got the Mamaeus. So, so yeah, I mean, it's... Are you using it for any work, any paying work? Uh, no, not at the minute, no. Uh, the stuff I'm going to do with my friend in uh, Connemara, I'm going to shoot uh, some medium format for that. Um, at the minute, I kind of, generally what I'm doing is kind of all my like little tests. Uh, I shoot both. So I'll shoot digital primarily, get that done, and then I'll shoot maybe 10 frames of medium format at the end um, and just see, kind of, just to get used to the feel of the camera. It's a different, you know, I can't help, I'm constantly looking at the back of it, you know, just thinking, fuck, this is, you know, but it, it's, to me, that's, it's magic, you know, yeah. it's oh, kind definitely. of, you know, press the button, clunk, click. You know, there's something going that? on inside. Yeah, well, it's just, it's a weird, it's a very strange thing. And I love, there's, you know, the excitement of going to pick up your negatives is just something that is, uh, I don't know, fear or excitement, one or the other. I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will, you know, film, to me, film serves a couple of different purposes. It's a huge challenge because you can't see, you can't adjust, you kind of... You know, you have to kind of really start learning. Um, but more importantly, it's just about really reining back. You know. Oh, definitely. I, you know, I like. I know I can take a picture, um, but to me, I know I've done a great. You know, I know I've I've done my job when I've maybe rather than. You know, because you know yourself when you start off, you shoot like fucking two thousand frames, just fill the memory cards up with whatever you can. And then throughout time, you start noticing, well, oh, okay, I just used, you know, one memory card there. So the, the film to me is much more disciplined, and that's where I'm at now. I, I really want to hone things down and be much more considered. Um, got to get you into 4x5. Well, that, yeah, but then you're going to have to, you know, you're lucky because you've got an assistant to carry that fucking thing about with you. <laughs> I, I shoot that by myself. Really? Yeah, nobody comes with me when I shoot that stuff. Yeah, I... I don't know. There's just something really. There's. I, I love how big everything is. The medium formats. The Mamaya is a real. You know, I agonise for months. Where do I get the Pentax? Do I get the Mamaya? Do I get? You know, it was the interchangeable box that kind of did it for me because yeah. I was in Paris and I oh, shot some Pentax six seven loading. Yeah. You can do it fast, but you're yeah. down a body like you're always waiting well it was always reload. kind of like I was in Paris um, and I was shooting some stuff 35mm but I had only one camera you know and then you're kind of you're out and you've loaded 400 in and you're sitting and the next minute the sun's burst out and you're like oh for fuck's sake you know there's nice skin tones there I should have went to the one mm. so at least you can kind of carry you know colour black and white with the Mamaya and that's it you know it's I, I just I don't know I just kind of like the bellows and everything on it uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's good. But say all like when we first started doing her photos, like everything was film. You know, I used to love that. It was great sitting with fucking you know contact sheets and your wee magnifying glass. Yeah. Your red stickers on the, on the light table. Yeah, you know that was kind of that was great. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'd love to get to do some. I'd love to do more stuff. I don't think I'd be happy shooting commercially on film just yet. Um, but I certainly want to shoot a, a lot more stuff, kind of a lot more, kind of I've got some editorial tests that I want to do, um, some of this stuff with my friend um, for his new product, we want to shoot medium format on, um, maybe some 35mm. But yeah, I mean, it's all coming back, you know, Kodak are re- releasing all those old films again, and um, hopefully the... Well, we'll see how that works out, guys. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know, man. Who did they ask about that? 
going to redo Ectochrome. And potentially, down the line, they're thinking about re-releasing Kodachrome. Okay, so basically, there's no labs left in Northern Ireland doing E6. I think there might be two labs doing C41. I don't know of any labs down south doing E6. Mm. There might be two or three labs in England doing E6. But even in London, I think there might be one. Like, really? It's really cut way back because there was no film. I mean, and the mm. chemistry was so limited. And now they're saying, and in, me, in the meantime, all those labs chopped up, sawzalled, cut all those that, those machines up, all those E6 machines. They sold them for scrap metal. Right. Now Kodak are knocking back on the door going, hey guys, we're going to reintroduce E6. Here's Ectochrome again. They're going to strangle those Kodak reps when they knock on those mm. doors. And then you want you have the balls to come back to me and say you're going to redo Kodachrome. That's an entirely whole K14 process. So do you think that's a kind of bit of a nonsense then? Or? Oh, dude. It, you know what? Take the money. To, for, take the money that you're putting into the study for Kodachrome. And take the money that you, you're putting into redoing Ectochrome. Go into C41 and, and that type of film, and that process, and make a transparency film yeah. that you can run through C41. Mm. And improve color negative film that you run through C41. Yeah. Why why would you tell a lab who's only running one machine again? And what gonna... about the States? Is it the same with the... Oh yeah. There's guys there's guys shooting in Miami who do there's no labs. There's yeah. no labs. Processing E6 in Miami. Miami was like the number one processing place. I mean there was there was like six labs in Miami Beach, like all in a row. Six labs. Like wow. bang, 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 bang. Pretty much right beside each other. And you would walk in there at any one time in the 80s and 90s, and there would be photographers with 200, 300, 400 rolls of 120 film, all processing them. The labs ran 24 hours all the time, 24-7. And they had, they had light boxes that they, would, that they would sign out and deliver to your hotel along with your film. Wow. So you'd, go for, you'd drop the film off after their shoot, You'd go out for dinner with the crew. You'd have a couple of drinks. You'd come back to the hotel. The film would be sitting there waiting for you. You look at the film. You call all the film, how it needs to be processed, all, all your clip tests. Yeah. Call all the film. In the morning, the film's delivered down to the, down to the main desk of the hotel. You've got two or 300 rolls already there. Somebody can, somebody can be editing in the Winnebago while you're out shooting. At the end of the day, at the end of the second day, Clients got all the, all yeah, the selects, all the you know. But now, like, they're they're shipping film. I think there's a lab in Hollywood, Florida. That's like way up the coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's my rant. Sorry. <laughs> no, well, I just know. don't understand why Kodak would do that. I just it just boggles yeah. my mind. I don't know. I think it's good. I mean. I suppose the, was it the indisposable project? Those guys are trying to bring back some impossible of the, project. Yeah, yeah they're the, doing they're doing the integral film. So the yeah, and what about and they the, do the eight by Polaroids? They are do they the pack film. Are they did they get that or? Were? Well, they're talking with New Fifty Five. New Fifty Five are the guys who do 
the four by five positive, negative black and white film. Okay. So, and they've they had to totally redo that film. That's a ground up new film. Uh-huh. It's a new film. It's new chemicals because it all had to do health and safety. The old Polaroid stuff was so caustic you couldn't yeah. you know you couldn't redo that film. So it's all brand new. So Impossible Project and and New Fifty Five are talking about potentially bringing in a six six nine whatever yeah. pack film like FP one hundred C like Fuji does, who have totally discontinued all their instant yeah. film. So yeah, there's definitely a market for that. Uh, but but the ectochrome Kodachrome thing, man, they Kodak just got back on their feet. Yeah, you know, and they want to dive into something like that. But then I suppose when you look at you know when you look around and you know you've got people like Alistair McClelland, uh, Tim Walker, you know, all those guys are all shooting on film, you know. So there, I definitely think there's okay it is coming back. I mean, fair enough, not that pro, you know, not the process you're talking about, but I think I think there's I suppose it's like fashion where the big complaint now is just the speed and the turnaround and how quickly there seems to be a real push to draw things back and to slow things back down again. You know, so as you that say... Used, with that used to be the process. Yeah. Okay, in Miami. Like, it was a... it was a, And that was quick. It was 24 hours. Yeah. Within 24 hours, the client had their selects. Okay, what are you doing right now? 24 mm-hmm. hours. Yeah. You're shooting digital... And, oh, you're, I mean, and you're turning things around in 28 or 48 hours. Yeah. So what's the difference? Well, At the end of the day, what's the difference? Well, it doesn't cost as much with digital. Well, it does. You have to buy yourself a computer. Yeah. You have to buy yourself the software. You have to buy yourself a digital camera every three years. You know, and and everything else that goes along with digital, you have to learn the software. You have to learn all that yeah. stuff. With What are you doing with film? You have to buy a camera. And these days, you're buying a film camera that is one-tenth of the, its original purchase price. It doesn't cost you virtually nothing. Yeah. You can go to a pawn shop and get a decent 35-millimeter yeah. camera. The film, well, okay. The film should be picked up by the client because it's an expense. They're going to write that off. Yeah, That's a tax deduction. You guys write that off. Mm-hmm. You buy the film. I shoot the film. Bingo, bango. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting, I think, to see how it goes. It just, uh, I, I'm, I'm all happy with C41, because that's where the, you know, the market's going. It's you're just weeding out the stuff that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. K14, Kodachrome, it, it just it, elvo- evolution came along and wiped it out. Yeah. Well, what's the point? I suppose in having it if. There's no you've way got, to process you've got, it. Well, you've got Velvia, you've got Provia, you've got films that, you know, and that you can manipulate so much easier than Kodachrome. So, yeah. okay, goodbye, gone. So now you've got E6 wanting to make a comeback. You've got these photographers for the past 10 or 12 years who've been working with C41 and color negative films, getting a process down, getting their methods down to working with this film. You know, guys who shoot, you know, Portra, you know, 400 and yeah. just know it inside and out. And now you're going to come back to them and go, well, you know what? We're going to offer you Ectochrome 400 again. It's like, why would you do that to me? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, it's sorry, isn't it? Uh, sorry, Joe. I know <laughs> you got to go. I got to go. It was great talking with you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Totally forgot we even had the microphones here. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> thank God.
Thanks again, Joe. No problem. All right. Goodbye. Wow. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to the Mac for letting us record. And thanks to all you out there who listen to us. Uh, hopefully you keep the inner little bit entertained there. Uh, sorry about the rant at the end. Keep on listening, folks. See you again soon. Bye-bye.